Welcome to Ready, Set, Impact. I'm Aliyah Legg, a rising fourth year industrial engineering major, and I'm the director of media on TEDx Georgia Tech. My name is Megumi Gupta. I'm a rising second year and also an industrial engineering major. Here at TEDx Georgia Tech, I serve as the director of community, and we're your hosts. TEDx Georgia Tech is an entirely student-run, independent chapter of TEDx here at Georgia Tech with the goal of creating platforms for people to share their ideas with our communities. And we're excited to use this podcast to create another platform to discuss and share new ideas and create an impact. Before we start, we want to take time to acknowledge the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and countless others. TEDx Georgia Tech stands with the Black community at Georgia Tech and beyond, and with the Black Lives Matter movement. We are committing ourselves to do better in the fight against racism. We encourage everyone to take time to educate themselves on racism and oppression, whether it be through books or podcasts or videos, so that we can become better and more effective advocates and allies for our Black friends and peers and their communities. We encourage you to listen to Black voices and stories and narratives, and we as an organization are working to amplify them using our platform. Now is the time to listen and learn so that we can spark change in our communities and the world. That being said, we recorded the interview for this episode about a month ago. We talk with Ayman Shahab about advocacy and how she speaks out to make a difference in her community and how others can make a difference on their college campuses. We acknowledge that as non-black people, we will never be able to understand what black people have been fighting and are currently feeling. While this conversation doesn't directly discuss racism and racial equality advocacy, we still believe a lot of lessons learned here about advocacy are applicable to the current climate. We still wanted to share this discussion with you because we hope that you can take away something and use it to be a better advocate in our fight against racism. But again, we encourage you to listen and learn from Black voices now and continue on in the future. And the last thing before we start talking with Eamon, we want to give a trigger warning for sexual and domestic violence. If you want or need to avoid these topics for any reason, feel free to skip this episode and join us again next week. Now let's start our discussion with Eamon. With us today is Ayman Shahab, a recent Georgia Tech alum with a major in Business Administration Finance. During her time at Tech, she was an RA in Housing, Director of A-Town Showdown, a voice advocate, and was also involved in SGA, the Joint Sexual Violence Advisory Committee, and the Women's Resource Center. Now she is headed to New York City to work at Accenture for Strategy Consulting. Thanks for having us, Ayman. How's your week going? It is going well. I'm sure, like for everyone, quarantine has been very interesting, but... I've been spending a lot of time outside, which is good for my mental and physical health. Um, But yeah, how has y'all's been going? It's been good. Lots of time with family, working remote and strange, but getting through it. Um, So to get into our discussion, I first want to ask you, Eamon, how did you first find your passion for gender equality and women's rights? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it really started, and this is like, to me, sometimes a very like convoluted question because it just started so like, I can't even think of a certain timeline necessarily. But ever since I was young, I just started noticing a lot of things and it almost felt like restrictive things or things that I was wondering, is this, is this common? Is this normal? Um, And as I grew up, I realized that no, this shouldn't be normal, even if it is. Um, And at first I thought, okay, maybe this is just something within my family or like my circle of people. And then I realized that I was seeing issues across the board with my culture in general. Um, And when I say issues, I mean, it could be something as small as, you know, getting chastised for wearing shorts around the house or not being able to participate in a leadership position 
in high school because it would require you to stay late at school, but because I was girl, whereas a lot of like my male counterparts for family friends were able to go out and do all this stuff. So I noticed, started noticing a lot of that. And then I noticed that this was a pattern, not just within Eastern culture, um, I'm from a South Asian background, but within Western and Eastern cultures across the board. And so what re I think what really got me passionate about it was to be able to actually realize that a lot of these things that were happening should not be the norm. And it really came from a point of privilege, I think, that I was able to speak up about some of these things. And through that process, I learned so much more. And kind of building that platform ignited the fire for me to be able to continue to build that platform. Um, and it just, you know, kindled this passion in me to just keep it going because there's so much work to be done for so many people. And if I have the privilege to be able to do that, I think that it's really important for me to continue it. Yeah, I think it's so important because, I mean, I'm from a Southeastern Asian big background as well. And I think growing up, or in any whether whether you're in the culture or not growing up i think you're you live in such a bubble in that culture you're surrounded by your family yes. surrounded by your relatives but as you said it's very interesting because as you start growing up and you meet other people with other diverse backgrounds and other types of families you start noticing these problems so yeah i think it's interesting because popping out of that bubble is definitely very difficult definitely very difficult and it's even more difficult when you're not taught that it's wrong by any means, especially when your immediate friends and family also think that it's right. So definitely on that term, it's it's not even just difficult to break that bubble, it's difficult to even realize that you're in one. And I think that's one of the issues mm. that occurs with a lot of these cultural issues that is you know pinpointed from gender equality and women's rights issues. So did you have any mentors that were really key in helping you learn that you were in this bubble and what the issues that you were seeing, like why they are wrong and also how to start speaking up about it? Yeah, so I think one of my biggest mentors, um, this is an interesting one, I think it was actually my mom. Um, she is just the light of my life, an incredible, incredible woman who has, you know, I mean, she was like the definition of a first-gen immigrant who kind of just picked up her life from Pakistan and first had to move to Europe, actually. Then after Europe, I was born there, and then we moved here. Um, so she just had multiple cu cultural shocks, and she's learned to adapt, not just to like make her life easier, actually not at all to make her life easier, but really to give me the best life possible and my sister the best life possible. And I think seeing her perspective and the way that she grew up has given me so much empathy. But I think that when it comes to speaking up and speaking out, it's so important to understand that not everyone is going to think the way that you do. And you can't just do a simple like, you're wrong. Like, how do you not know that you're wrong and almost lecture at someone? And I think that my mom being raised in such a different background, such a different culture, and then learning things and then listening to me and hearing me out and explaining why she thinks things are already set a certain way. It just helped me so much in that because it gave me empathy and understanding without being like, you should already know this kind of thing. And I think that that helps so much. And she has just changed so much and her perspective has changed so much. And I talked to her so openly about gender equality and women's rights issues from a cultural lens. Um, and that just having that kind of a role model is really interesting because I learned from her and she learned from me. Um, and that reciprocal relationship was really cool. Um, and then second of all, in terms of advocacy, so I had this high school, very close friend in high school, I used to carpool with her, she still lives in my neighborhood, which is fun, but she is just like the definition of a ray of sunshine, and she taught me the definition of advocacy, which is really just standing up for people who don't have the same platform as you, and I like believe so, like solidly in that, that like, if you have the ability and the mental health and the, men and the kind of space to be able to speak up to something, you, you should, um, and she taught me how to do that very eloquently, and just how to, you know, be this positive influence in so many people's lives, how to befriend everyone, how to be kind, and then speak up for what's right. And most, more often than not, people are going to listen to you when you have something to say. 
So she taught me a lot about advocacy. She also got me involved with more civic engagement and local politics organizations, um, such as AAAJ, which is Asian Americans Advancing Justice. And that's where I learned to like physically canvas and knock on doors and talk to people about you know, local issues that they were seeing um, within their community. And that also really built up my confidence towards speaking to people and, and understanding how to advocate for those who don't come from the same uh, privilege or platform as me necessarily. And then finally, specifically kind of in the realm of sexual and domestic violence prevention involvements on campus, I had a hall director, God bless him, what a wonderful human being. Um, he's at Georgetown now, but his name was Matt Hall. And I used to have kind of these in-depth conversations with him about why I felt so passionately about sexual violence and domestic violence and the cultural issues I was seeing and how I thought that that related a lot to campus communities, um, especially Georgia Tech as well. And he just really encouraged me to get involved. So he introduced me to the right people. He brought me to Sexual Violence Prevention Alliance meetings as a student representative. He got me connected to people. He encouraged me to join organizations and just use that voice. And he really helped me kind of find myself in college, I think, and helped me kind of establish an identity for myself because I was so scared almost of like using my voice, even though I felt comfortable outside like the college sphere, that he really got me comfortable and confident with that. Um, it got me plugged into all these different communities. So I think those three people, I have everything, everything to, I have everything to owe them. It's been a long period of time in quarantine, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's fantastic to hear. I think with some reflection, you start to really um, appreciate the people around you that have had an impact on yourself. The biggest obstacle someone can face, in my opinion, is trying to see the other perspectives of, uh, or other point of views mm -hmm. of other people. And changing that and sort of adapting to that is much easier said than done. But I guess what I wanted to talk about next was, uh, I think you touched on some of your first jobs to your first uh, steps into advocacy. So I, I wanted to know what were your first few um, impressions of those first like steps into advocacy? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I would say like first steps of advocacy was like simply speaking up. And I think I really started to do that in high school. Um, and I really started to kind of break that barrier when I started talking to my friends and like my teachers and other peers about it, because that really helps you build your confidence. Because I went to a really like, we were all dorks in high school. We were all like really passionate. If you weren't passionate about something, then you were considered to be like the lame kid, you know? So it was cool because I, again, had that kind of platform actually in high school. So it really started kind of kicked off my community involvement was um, for my senior capstone, which my high school required. So a lot of people chose like kind of like more professional or technical internships to go for. And in my senior year, I chose Rainbow Village, which is a local NGO in Duluth, Georgia. And it's a women and children's transitional housing shelter. So they do a lot of work with domestic violence survivors and their kids. So I did a lot in child advocacy. Um, I did a lot in professional advocacy. And I mean, it led me to understand so much. But from there, first couple of years in college, I was helping out at Partnership Against Domestic Violence. So that was a cool experience because I got to work with different communities. And I was working mainly within child advocacy and professional advocacy because in my opinion, education, financial and professional literacy are like the three most important things that women and children should learn to be equipped with. And kind of everyone should have that privilege. But in terms of my like first couple of jobs, so Rainbow Village and Partnership Against Domestic Violence, I mean, my first impressions was that it's hard. Like, it is just so difficult to step into these roles because when you do, especially if you're like a high schooler or something, first of all, you get like boosted so much by your friends and family because they're like, wow, you're doing so much. Like you're changing the world. And that like your, your ego gets big because of that. Like I, I like give it up to so many of like my activist friends who dedicate their lives to this because they like are just such humble people. But people will do that to you. 
And so you go in being like, oh yeah, 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 I'm doing so much. And I remember when I started off at Rainbow Village, um, I kind of had that mindset. I was like, oh, like I'm sacrificing doing a professional internship to put on my resume, which sounds really awful to say, but that's what I started off as kind of thinking. And I went in and I was like, I'm can't just come in here after one day and like expect to change anything. It was so hard and it was such a slow change. So I think one of the biggest impressions was that you really have to, like if you're gonna get involved with an organization that, that deals with this kind of stuff, with advocacy in general, especially if you're working with people who have really gone through some things that you will not understand no matter how much you try, you have to stick it out and you have to be patient and you have to understand that like you're not just gonna walk in there and make an impact if, in one day, if at all, right? Like you're just there to do your absolute best for someone because you have the privilege to be able to do that. And two really difficult experiences. One was working with the children. So a lot of these children came from backgrounds where education and their mental health was, were not first priorities, which is so different from, I think, what a lot of us, a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast experience. Um, and so many of them, school was just not their focus. They were very distracted, et cetera. So I remember I like walked in there and it felt like, like one of those movie scenes where like the kids are like really rowdy and they're throwing like pieces of paper at the teacher and that's like legitimately what happened once and I was like oh my god like I'm not I don't know if I can handle this and that was like definitely one of the challenges another really big challenge one of my first few days at PADV I was doing crisis line advocacy so like answering phone calls and I got a call from a batterer um, who was looking for a survivor who lived at that shelter um, and when we wouldn't give any information he actually showed up to the door with a with a gun in his hand and I would love to say that I was the super courageous person who like stepped up and everything, but I was like terrified. I didn't know what to do. And it was really hard on me emotionally. And so I remember going home that day and I was like, if this is what I went through after like one day of helping out somewhere, like imagine people who are in family situations where it really is this bad isn't even the word, but it's just so different and so difficult. Like you're living in fear of your lives every day. Honestly, I think that's so hard for, like you said, any of us to even imagine and it sounds not just scary, but also incredibly frustrating to realize that you can't make the change in one day because I think that's so much we hope yeah. when we like go into start making change, I guess. So how did you find the motivation and patience to continue even after you've gone through those first couple of days where it is kind of like a big realization that it isn't what you expected? Yeah, good question. I think a lot of times when we help people, it's the mindset and other people tell us it's a mindset. I know my parents do this all the time and I don't think this is just a like a South Asian person thing, but they're always like, well, other people have it worse than you. And I think that's actually like can be a really toxic mindset to have because then you feel like you're forced to do this kind of stuff. And I remember I used to think that in the beginning and I put so much pressure on myself and I felt like such a burden because I was like, I'm not making an impact if I just go in and I'm like, this one art therapeutic exercise is gonna like change these women's lives, right? And I like legitimately would think that sometimes. That is such small thinking, I think, and it can be very toxic for those who are trying to help as well. So that's something I first of all got out of. And I was like, it, it really was about the fact that like I had to change my thinking completely and realize that like the timelines on these things, it is a very slow and long timeline. And it's something that I'm getting myself into because I didn't have an expectation that like, I was coming in and being this incredible person because I wasn't like I, I kind of had like I almost like didn't have an expectation a lot of times I was like I'm gonna go in and do my absolute best and learn as much as I can and then there were like little things that just felt so rewarding like I actually led this like resume workshop for some women at a shelter once and afterwards like I remember I got a call from one of them and she had just landed a job as like at like $17 an hour which she had never thought that she could get and it blew my mind because I like genuinely think that with like the right resume anyone can get a job but a lot of people just don't have those resources. So that was one of the big things, like these little things that just 
kind of kept me motivating, kept my why going. And then another one was a really big one actually was, I think sometimes when it comes to organizations and such, people who are not necessarily in your community, it can be a little easier to detach from them. But like I had mentioned in the beginning of, of our chat, um, one of the things that has me so passionate about gender equity and sexual and domestic violence is the fact that I see it across the board to so many of my closest friends, family, like people I care about and respect so much. It happens across the board. And when I see it to people, like when I see these things occurring to people who I know and love so dearly, it just like keeps my why going so much. Cause I'm like, even if I'm not doing like a specific active activity or I'm not a volunteer at one of these organizations, I have to keep standing up for it because these are affecting people who are literally like me, who can't say it to anyone else because they're not in a position to, or they're scared to. And at that point I wasn't scared anymore. So I felt like I kind of had to use my voice to keep going. That's really great. I'm hearing your tell the story about women who you helped with the resume that landed the job like I wish y'all could have seen my smile because I think (laughs) you're right that it's the little things that even if you can't see the big impact hearing your little stories about the smaller things I think that's what people need to stick to and even I'm not just an advocacy but in other stuff too to help find that motivation to continue going and so you have clearly have that motivation um, and continued through college so how have you spoken out especially on college campuses? Yeah, so I think in terms of like more formal involvements, shout out to you all. Um, it's, it's TEDx Georgia Tech. Um, so I was able to speak at the Student Speaker Salon series this semester. And that was just such a cool thing for me to be able to do. And I'm like so thankful to you all um, for allowing me to do that because I think it was my first time. I think, I don't know if you all have felt this way before, but I think sometimes, especially when it's about something that can be as heavy a topic as like sexual violence or it can be as controversial as a topic as like women's rights or gender gender equality it can feel like you're almost like on a soapbox or you can feel dramatic when you're saying it in certain contexts and like I I probably am a dramatic person sometimes when I talk but this this time it like it felt so good to be able to say those words and I realized that there were a lot of things about my personal experiences that I was always hiding from this and I don't want to do that anymore and I don't want to like advocate without sharing my personal experiences because I think it's important for people to know that I'm doing this because I understand that background and I'm not just, you know, like aimlessly fighting around, but I'm fighting like for myself and people who I think have gone through something similar or have had more intensive and of course still different experiences. So TEDx was really cool for that reason because I got very vulnerable, like in front of such a large crowd for the first time. Other involvement. So um, I was Take Back the Night Chair, which is our annual candlelight vigilance for um, sexual violence survivors. So obviously, again, like a very a dark form of organization that is that kind of allows um, sexual violence survivors to speak up. And then SGA. So I was the head of Joint Sexual Violence Advisory Committee this past year, and I was a member last year. And I think this was a really cool one because sexual violence is something that affects every single campus, like every single college campus so much. Like it's one of the top issues that affects our students' physical, mental health, and campus safety. But it's one of the things that people really just don't target as something that really needs an immediate solution. It's, it, it became a really big frustration point for me. So I was like, okay, I need to do something about it. So this year, as like JS chair, I tried to meet with a lot of people, Dean McLaughlin, deans of different schools, faculty members who are very related and were in touch with these kinds of topics, faculty members who weren't, because I think it's really important for everyone to weave in sexual violence prevention with any aspect of college. Um, and it was something that 
along with the, the student body president, Pooja Juvikar, it was something that we really wanted to highlight across SGA as well. So I had a lot of people from different committees coming up to me, trying to work with me. Um, we're kind of working right now to see if we can get sexual violence training for chartered organizations, et cetera. So it was very cool, I think, for the first time to really highlight that. And I think that I started to realize that this topic and related topics, so like domestic and intimate partner violence, it's something that people feel very uncomfortable sometimes talking about. And it's simply because it's not talked about it enough. And I completely understand why people feel that way. It's something that can be kind of difficult to talk about because people are a little worried of being like offending someone or, you know, stepping over someone's shoes or someone's boundaries. But I think the more we talk about it, the more work can easily be done with it. Um, and then A-Town Showdown. So uh, this is a dance competition that happens on Georgia Tech's campus. And this one was really cool because I was just really passionate about philanthropy and sexual violence prevention within the the Desi or South Asian dance circuit in general. Um, and so I made it a very big point to make that something that was kind of a prioritization for our executive board. Um, we had a ton of safety initiatives for the weekend of. Um, we made sure that our after party, which involved alcohol, had just numerous amounts of options for people to come up to, for people that they could be safe with, that they could report things to. Um, and this was really cool because it kind of spiraled into more national action with the South Asian circuit. So other comps started using things that we did like safety slips and safety words, et cetera, for their competitions, which was really cool to see. And since then, um, our executive boards have always been very passionate about philanthropy. So I think that has been something that was really cool to see. And then what I actually started off with as my first organization was Sexual Violence Prevention Task Force or Sexual Violence Prevention Alliance, which is the task force led by faculty at Georgia Tech. Um, and I came in as a student rep, which Matt Hall introduced me to. But through that, I was able to connect with so many people, including my incredible bosses at the Women's Resource Center. Um, so, you know, a little bit led to a lot, I would say. I found that really all of your involvements super fascinating to hear about because they're all doing so much. And I think when you talked about before, like one of the biggest challenges with advocacy is that it it's hard and there's a slow change, but doing little things is what's sort of uh, rewarding of the whole thing. So for example, we, mm -hmm. your your example with A-Town Showtown and the fact that you saw that other uh, organizations and on a national level were sort of picking up on the same sort of things that you were talking about uh, and you, yeah. you were sort of doing, uh, I found like that's really, it's super rewarding to see. But I guess for me, um, I just finished my first year at college and I'm still sort of finding, uh, at least I'm still sort of trying to find my thing. And I was wondering sort of, uh, you talked a lot about your involvements on campus, but I was wondering how you sort of came about to, uh, like, came about finding them. Was it more of like a domino effect where you sort of met some with someone and they like introduced you with someone else? Or was it just sort of out of, or were you more a bit more proactive about it? Yeah, I would say I was not proactive about it at all. And like, I think that this is something we don't talk about nearly enough for like first years coming into college is that there's like in high school, you do whatever you do, like 50,000 leadership activities, don't know how we did it back then. And then when college comes, you don't have as much time, right? Like you have to kind of focus on a few things. So like kind of directly answering your question, for me, it was a domino effect. Like I first year, I was honest, like I was having mental health issues. I was like, personally, like, and it came from like, this lack of identity, like I had such dissociative identity, because in high school, I felt like I knew what my brand was. And I had like leadership positions and the things ex people expect me to, to, to have leadership positions in. And when college came around, I was like, like, what do I do now? So, so I knew from the start that I was and like I said, I, you know, interned at Rainbow Village, and that kind of increased like my kind of passion and, and craving to get more involved with with this realm. 
but I, it's, it is one thing that led to another. So I was first, you know, I first got involved with PAWS, People Against Unwanted Sexual Experiences. And there I just met some really awesome people who are passionate about all of this stuff. From there, I like got involved with uh, the Sexual Violence Prevention Alliance, which literally came from talking to my hall director. And he was like, listen, you're passionate about this. Let me just take you to one of these meetings. And I went there and it was awesome. It was great to see like all of these faculty members who actually cared and like they knew that this was a jaded conversation and they were working to like try to make it not jaded. They were working to actually try to create some efforts on sexual violence, on mental health, on like women's opportunities at this school, et cetera. And, um, and, and not just women, all genders, honestly. And then I met so many people like my women's resource center bosses. I met all of these people who then connected me to further organizations. So one of them told me to join that SGA committee. And then the next year I ended up being the, the chair for it. I even like started going to like open mic night for spoken word. And I, from there, I started performing like spoken word poems about domestic and sexual violence. And that was like such a cool way to kind of express it. And again, like that more creative and vulnerable way. And then other people started coming up to me and sharing their stories. And then I got more involved and more plugged in. And it really is a domino effect. So I would very highly recommend that like if you don't know where to start, which is so common and so normal, like if there is something that you think you have an inkling of being passionate about, talk to someone or go to one organization because it'll just lead to, you know, countless opportunities. I think too, you, you say you're not proactive about it, but even you do have to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you. So even though you've done it through mm -hmm. other people, um, you've definitely taken advantage of your platforms and clearly done a lot on campus to promote and advocate for the stuff you care about. Um, that's very clear. But what about some of your more, I guess, casual involvements, like not so much through organizations, but through just conversations or meeting different people? Can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And I would say like, that's really the hard part. And like, I am like, no weird, like, I feel like this, this like chat and this podcast, like kind of highlights all of the highlights, right? Like it highlights all of the ups that I've had and like, oh, I had this leadership position, this leadership position, but it's really, it is difficult. And like, I have like learned so much because I made so many mistakes along the way with all of this stuff. And it's hard to do that when you're, it's hard to accept that when you think that you're doing, you know, whatever, good for the world, et cetera. Um, but it's the most difficult when you have to like, not just carry that personality and carry what you're passionate about in leadership positions, but make sure that you're being like your authentic self to like your friends and people that you care about. And that part was, is, was, and is still so hard for me because I don't want to come across as that person who's like, always like saying something about something and is always like like you know you know oh my god like the why are you being so sensitive it was just a joke etc like I don't want to be that person who comes across that way and it's not because I'm necessarily scared to speak up anymore it's just because that casual conversation part is something that the most challenging for me throughout college but as I got like closer and closer but first of all I think that the people that I surrounded myself with slowly and slowly I started meeting more people who are passionate about similar things and they just equipped me with so much so many like skills and strength and like so much inspiration to continue speaking up um, whether I met them through SGA or I met some great people through TEDx who like shared the same message as me etc so that helped but I would just have like honestly like if my if one of my friends made like a rape joke instead of like speaking like instead of saying something that would come across as really like demeaning in in like our big group I just go to them after and be like hey like I just don't think that's cool to say because so and so. I also had a lot of, I think just like conversing with people about this. I met with a lot of different, de like I met with Dean Stein, who's the Dean of Student Life. And we had a very open conversation about sexual violence. And I realized that we think that people don't realize it, but he did and he cared so much, for example. But he also did like 
mentioned that there were things that he just couldn't change in the in the immediate future. So that's something that also taught me a lot about like you have to be patient, continue to advocate in the long run, so th- these things don't get just lost in conversation. So yeah, and then I had just daily conversations with like my my bosses at the Women's Resource Center, Melanie and and Danny, and they're just the best human beings ever. And they taught me that art of eloquence and how to talk to people continuously. So having conversations with like my best friends and seeing change happen to them was like, that's definitely a way to get involved on like a more casual level. Yeah, that's really um, great because everyone can, I guess, make a change through the conversations they have with people. I want to come back to something you said about when someone makes a joke that's like not okay and people think is just because it's like become such like, especially on college campuses, um, jokes about, I guess, rape, mental health, all that kind of stuff um, mm-hmm. isn't okay. And for me, I actually do the same thing where I've had um, a personal connection to a suicide. And for me, suicide jokes just aren't okay. I don't, for everyone, they should not be okay. And that's something for me that if I hear someone make a joke about it, I will say, hey, like, you shouldn't joke about that. You don't know who around you um, that could affect or trigger, especially like, my friends know that I'm not okay with that and they understand that that's something they shouldn't joke about even when I'm not around. But with new people, like, I guess taking being kind, like, don't attack anyone for saying it, but also let them know that it shouldn't be a joke because that's just something that's become such a culture. But you saying one thing makes someone think more about it and that can, I guess, be such a change. And next thing you know, maybe there's someone telling someone else to not make a joke. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That, like, I, I think it, it's a lot of times it stems from the fact that, like, I have so much to learn because... And I have so much more like just empathizing and understanding people to do because a lot of times when people say something like make a rape joke, for example, or say that like, no women are treated better than men or say something that like, like the LGBTQ plus population is treated fine, etc. Like when someone says something like that, in my mind, I'm like, you're a jerk, like no one's gonna like you and you're gonna fail at life. So it's fine, you know, so I'll like think that way immediately. But a that doesn't happen. Like that doesn't happen. Like people can like we talked about bubbles earlier, it is so easy to stay in your bubble. And I think that is why it's so important to like try and be an advocate. Because until that one person comes in and like tries to pop the bubble, nothing will happen, right? So it's like very important to try and do that. So that was like one of the things that I just thought that like anyone who was acting that way, like, oh, they'll get what they deserve. But that is not true. Like they will not, right? Unless you speak out and say something and and they actually realize that what they're saying can harm someone and and it's just not okay to say um, or do. And so I think that like idea of, you have to kind of speak up was a big thing. But I never wanted to come across as like, like you said, annoying. And unfortunately, like very blatantly speaking, I think that that happens to women a lot when women kind of say something like if a woman stands up to like a joke about women, it's going to come across as like, okay, sorry, like, I shouldn't have said that. But like, whatever, like, you're overthinking it, like, or of course, you're saying that that's why the joke is about you. Whereas I have seen like, honestly, nonstop my amazing incredible I have some male friends who do such a good job of like very casually standing up to something and they'll be like like hey man that's not cool or like or like vice versa even like saying it to a girl who makes some joke and and saying something like that it's like oh yeah you're right you're right so I think it is a little tougher for people who are minorities to speak up about this kind of stuff or people who are affected by it to speak up about this kind of stuff in an eloquent way because you are so passionate and there is a, a sense of emotion coming from it and that's what I'm trying to learn is to like of course, some part of it is going of advocacy is going to come from emotion, but some part should come from like logic and statistics. And that is part of the eloquence. And some part should come from like a, like an empathetic standpoint that this person literally grew up literally not knowing anything else. This person grew up in this bubble. So they're going to think this way. How do I respond to them so that I don't come across as annoying, but I just come across as like trying to make them aware. 
and try to learn from them. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to like simply ask like, hey, like I, I thought this came across as like not great because, you know, like for example, in your case, like saying that, hey, like I noticed you made this this joke about suicide. Like I'm personally really uncomfortable with that because I had, you know, like I have experience where someone tried to take their own life and you just never know who you're hurting. Like you never, never know. Can you explain to me like if you think that makes sense? And you can say it in like more cool terms. I don't know. You can say it in like different terms, but a conversation like that, you know, it, it takes work, but it's just so important. Honestly, like that just that just makes me think like how easy it is to bash people. Like bashing and, and um, just being mean is so much easier than choosing love and being nice. So I think recognizing that and recognizing that before you sort of speak up and you do defense a topic that um, that you think is uh, important is is also important for yourself because I think that that brings you yourself a lot more confidence to speak out right. because the person bashing is is not putting a lot of effort into the bashing it's so easy to bash but the person who's standing up and the person who's trying to logically and eloquently and nicely without you know um, putting someone down putting the person who's bashing down is putting a lot more effort into doing that yeah and I I think even like like when you say that bashing thing that brings up a good point because that happens to people who like so to say like try to speak up and I just explain how like my mindset works sometimes where like someone will say something and I'm like you know you don't know what you're talking about you're a terrible person blah 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 but I'm being not a great person by doing that as well um and I think that that's a really big issue like you can't bash someone for saying something that they just may not know about either right so like that's why that conversation is just so important to have and like for you to th really just like try to understand what they're saying and then explain to them what you're saying rather than belittle by like teaching so to say yeah and I think we've talked about how sort of your efforts have made an impact on others and your friends and how they've sort of evolved and changed in in how they talk and how they think about things but I was also wondering how how have you seen your efforts impact yourself in terms of skills in terms of mindsets in terms of just general things you've sort of taken away yeah so I think like on a again like peer-to-peer -peer level which I think again is like one of the most difficult spaces to to reach out to like friend to friend or peer to peer, I think I've seen so much change in in people that I interact with on the daily because before I used to get that like, oh my gosh, I'm bringing this up again. But slowly and surely, like those people, even if at first they would avoid making jokes, something around just me, like at first it would be like, oh, we're just going to not say this around Eamon. Eventually that became like a mindset, right? So I think that that's like, that's been a cool like change, slow change that I've seen in a lot of my, uh, in like certain friends of mine. I think just kind of spreading the passion and the need to talk about things like sexual violence, which can come across as very uncomfortable. So I think that like the ability for us to speak out about sexual violence, much as we do about like academic relief and as much as we do about like mental health, part of mental health and physical health encompasses sexual violence and we need to start talking about it more. I think one of the coolest efforts was in the South Asian dance community because there was so much sexism and there was a lot of like issues with rape culture happening, um, especially with like the alcohol culture within the South Asian, the Desi Dance Network is what we call it. And my exec board was just so passionate and they taught me so much. Like the safe word became really popular. Like all of last year, everyone started doing it because it was something that's so simple to implement, uh, but so effective. So I think that was really cool in terms of others. But I would say like, I guess my so to say efforts. And again, like I don't, like, I think I have such a long way to go and I haven't done nearly as much, but I think it's had like absolutely the biggest impact on me. Like I have just become so much more confident on all levels. Like 
above all, it honestly taught me so much humility because like I said, like when we do activism work and when other people boost us for it, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm doing all this, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's so much that I'm not doing, right? And I think about that all the time and I'm like, I cannot take any of this to my head. And I, again, like I worship my like friends who dedicate their lives to activism because it is so difficult and none of them say like a word about it and they are truly making an impact. So I have so much to learn, but I think that this very much humbled me this journey overall. That's really great to hear about all of your impacts because um, they do sound very important even on the small scale. And I think we can all agree that speaking out even in the small ways is so important, but it also sounds so difficult. So I'm wondering what are some essential skills you think that students can develop to help them speak out um, and become an advocate, even in small ways? Yeah, I I think like learn what you are passionate about. And it doesn't have to be like one, like I, I think like intimate partner violence is a little bit more of a niche topic that I'm passionate about, but it doesn't have to be that niche. It can be like general human rights for example and if you don't think you know that much that's okay like if someone like if you're speaking up against something and someone's like well how do you know that it is okay to be like oh gosh I actually don't know let me make sure I'm telling you the right thing and being like I'm not saying this to just like give you a speech I'm saying this because I genuinely want both of us to learn from it that being said I think all of that really feeds into like the art of eloquence and I brought this up before but I am like really trying to learn that like I am so envious of my friends who like in such a chill casual way but in such like a like a, such a good witty way managed to like speak up against something and general public speaking like again me speaking at TEDx I think was one of my coolest experiences and I've become a lot more confident about talking about my personal experiences within intimate partner violence and domestic violence etc has become it's, it's given me a lot more confidence for that you know finding statistics about something you're passionate about at the end of the day like some people really aren't just going to listen to emotional based things. And it's something that comes from like understanding that people grow up differently. They think differently. So I think having things to back up with statistics, especially for a school like Georgia Tech is always good to have up your sleeve. Um, and then finally, really just being empathetic. Like, I think I really struggle with this a lot. And I am like, really learning how to not just be like, oh my gosh, like, how could you even say that? Or like, how could you even do that? Because I am by no means like, you know, ethical, moral saint, like, oh my gosh, like I've done, I don't, we shouldn't get into all that. Like I've done plenty and I think I have tons to learn from as well. So I never want to come across as belittling in my like journey of advocacy. Yeah, I think um, I totally agree with you with the art of eloquence. I think uh, that's a super important skill to have. And I know from like my personal experience, my mom in particular, like growing up, she's always been uh, incredibly like into politics and she but with her she gets so emotionally charged that like she'd be in the living room having a conversation with like her sisters and like trying to explain to her them like about what's happening and being so passionate that i can hear her voice from like my room but the thing is with her it's like i always try to tell her uh that's something i've learned from um some of my other friends it's like if you're emotionally charged you uh, a lot of times your passion comes through but people end up not uh belittling belittling you because you end up being so emotionally charged and uh with statistics and backing and having a calm tone and being eloquent only adds to your credibility and uh you could still be credible and, and eloquent and still be in a way uh moving uh when you're being mm -hmm. a bit more eloquent rather than just being like really emotionally sort of charged but i definitely agree that's a very important skill to have and it's very difficult to obtain yeah, I and like, also completely agree. Um, I think, too, it comes back to, like, it's important to be respectful. And this goes with, like, not being belittling. Because if someone's, like, trying to explain something to you, but they're being rude and even, like, name-calling or just, like, making you feel bad about it, I guess, 
then why would you want to listen to them? Like, you're not going to want to listen to someone that's like not being respectful to your own views, even if um, they think they're wrong. And I think it's so, like we said earlier, the easy thing to do is kind of just bash or be disrespectful because that might be what's going through your mind. But if you want to make them hear you, you really have to maintain a level of respect and effective conversation. And I think without respect that you lose that effectiveness. Yeah. And like to, to some of your points, like what you were saying about like your mom, you can hear her like being super passionate, but like very emotionally charged, screaming at someone from the other room. Like that has been me. Right. And like, I'm, I still do that. And I'm like really trying not to. And like, that's something my best friend taught me because she does such a good job of like people who I'm like, how do you, how are you friends with this person? Like they do blah, blah, blah. She's like, that doesn't mean that that's what someone's like character or heart is at. It's just like what they grew up with. And like, you have to learn to be more patient with people and like not be honestly like you can't be judgy and like like you were saying like when someone is being like very rude and stuff you don't want to listen to them and you don't even want to reason with them so why would you expect someone to listen to you if you're being judgmental or belittling so yes very like honestly such good points and it's honestly awesome like you were saying that you're a first like you just left your first year like I was not that mature whatsoever so you're killing the game already <laughs> I mean I, I think I I definitely think being surrounding yourself around people um, like you've mentioned that uh, you can learn from yeah. and 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 have sort of again just grow from just like witnessing and being around them is uh, mm -hmm. one of the greatest things you can do for yourself uh, I guess to sort of wrap things up and also for me um, one of the reasons I love being on this podcast is I'm, I'm you know I'm one of the younger ones on the podcast team at least so I get to learn a lot from you guys so I was wondering for me for the listeners if Overall, if you had some big takeaways or advice for anyone that wants to speak up uh, but isn't really sure how to? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I could always use tips for that. Like I said, I'm like learning a lot myself as well. And like one of the biggest things, like if you're a college student specifically and you just don't know where to start, I think that one of the best things is like if there's one thing that you're even slightly passionate about, I can guarantee you that there's like something there for you. And like within advocacy, there's so many things that even if it's not like a direct like activist organization there's so many things that can relate to it for example like a town showdown became a venue for me to be able to do that so i would say like just go to something and then see where it leads you to um and the other thing is like if you can find even one person who's like well connected in general or like is you know involved or passionate about that thing that you're interested in literally just ask them like hey do you have any recommendations for other people i can talk to do you have any recommendations for something i can get involved with even take your second year or your third year or even your fourth year to like fifth whatever we're we all go to Georgia Tech we graduate like super late but take as much time as you need to do that and like explore all of these things and slowly it'll like almost start to build an interconnected web and I remember when I was a junior I was like I have like all these random things on like my resume and stuff and I have all these random things but did I like really grow from it and now I think about it and I'm like all honestly a lot of them even though they're super random they connected a lot because I was able to like I was allowed to bring in what I was really passionate about and then the, I think the biggest thing is like have mentors and inspirations um, it can be anyone from, you know, like literally a friend who just teaches you something to someone that you had an impact on um, or someone who had an impact on you like like my mom is to me. So, yeah, if someone's allowing to almost be a mentor for you, then just let them be that and let it guide you wherever it goes. I also want to add that I think you said that just even reaching out to someone that's well connected is a good way to get started. And I think that that can be kind of intimidating to begin with because often the well connected people are like the impressive people on campus, but also yeah. they're well connected for a reason. Like they want to talk with people and share what they're passionate about. Um, so, with my experience, those kinds of people are often like the nicest, the sweetest, and most, I guess, inspiring people. So, if you're like 
a first, second, or third, like you said, fourth or fifth year, and you want to get involved with something, don't be scared to reach out to someone because if they're passionate about it, they're going to want to share that passion with you. 100%. And like usually these well-connected people, they're like, they're well-connected because they care, right? And like they know people because they care about people. And like, I think that's one of the things that I kind of regret. Like with this path of so-called advocacy, advocacy can take shape and forms in any way. Like you don't have to be an advocate for the Sierra Club, which by the way, one of my role models is, and she's freaking incredible. But like, you can just be someone who's really involved with like your social circle. I have a lot of friends who are like that and I'm learning from them on the daily. So I just think that like, like to your point, there's so many people who I was so scared to talk to because I was like, oh my God, you're so awesome and well-connected and cool. And now I know them and I'm like, I wish I talked to you sooner. And like, I wish I wasn't scared. So all it takes is like, one little text or one little email or one little LinkedIn message. And I think that that can just open up doors. And at most, like you don't get a response and that's okay. And then you move on to the next person. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, they're well connected, as everyone said, like for a reason, they had to start somewhere as well. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that's something I found quite different than high school. Like you're surrounded by like a lot of people with, with, uh, that think alike, uh, not in the same sort of views, but they, they share the, the, the same thinking that, you know, sharing each other's ideas and passions are sort of what what makes everyone grow. Um, so yeah, I think that's some great advice. I've definitely learned a lot from talking with you, Eamon. So uh, thank Aww. you. Your work is amazing. I I, no. I like 10 on 10. I definitely want to uh, think about a lot more things that I can do to help out as well. And yeah, so thank you for thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us. And yeah, Aaliyah, do you want to add anything? No, that's it. Just super enjoyed this discussion. I also myself learned a lot. So thank you for the work you've done on campus and beyond campus. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. And like I said, I'm like on such a learning curve. So if anyone, honestly, if anyone's listening and they ever want to reach out and like want to learn about advocacy, I'm like always happy to talk to people. But also if you have any tips for me, please let me know because I'm always, I just, I want to get better at it and I want to learn and do more. So thanks for having me all. You guys are amazing. Thank you. So I definitely learned a lot myself about how I can be a better advocate for the stuff I care about, especially on campus. Through that discussion with Eamon, and I know Megumi, you said like you're for, like you just finished your first year, so you're still learning a lot. I promise you, even after like I've just finished my third year, and you're always going to be learning more. I've learned so much through all of these <laughs> podcasts. Um, something I wanted to come back to that I don't think we touched on um, very much, but Eamon said something about being authentic when it comes to being an advocate, and I think that's really important to um, be as authentic and apply that advocacy to all areas of your life, not just like the organization or club that you're a part of that's um, making those changes, but being able to take that passion and put it into all aspects of your life. Because if you're sharing something through that organization, why wouldn't you want to continue doing it through your personal life, through social circles? I think that's also how you reach people that might not be as aware of the issue. Because if you're going to like, I guess the meetings at the club or their events, you're probably, it's already on your radar, but being able to bring that passion to other areas you make more and more people aware that might not already know about it yeah I think that's definitely a really good point that I didn't I, ha I didn't think about before you mentioned it but I definitely agree with it especially like hearing conversations about Eamon talking about her dealing with with her friend group uh when she was you know saying those comments and not feeling bad about it and I think that's really important and it all ties into being authentic to put yourself out there and share your interests with other people as well. And not only that, because we talked about, you know, the people that impacted and sort of helped her sort of get into that world. Her her being authentic enough to like put applying that to all other sort of forms of um, her life also 
she doesn't even know it, but she's probably having an impact on those people as well. And they, it could be a whole other domino effect. Like she's doing that for, for us, for example. Like I definitely feel moved by her authenticity and I definitely want to go out and do a lot more. So I definitely uh, agree with that. I think um, it's a really good takeaway. For sure. And definitely like you never know what conversation you're going to have with someone that's going to make a difference. It might make a difference in their life personally or they might just like mention it to someone else. But whether they become an advocate or it changes their life in another way, you can really create, I know we keep using the term domino effect, but I think it's very (laughs) true, the the chain reaction to continue making a difference um, in your own community and beyond. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I've definitely learned a lot from this. Yeah, I have too. So because we mentioned sexual and domestic violence, and it's an issue that Eamon is very passionate about working against, we are going to provide some resources linked in the description. We appreciate all feedback, so rate us and leave a review, and look out for our next episode next week. Just stay up to date on all things TEDx Georgia Tech, follow us on social media, find us on Instagram at TEDx Georgia Tech, and on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, TEDx Georgia Tech is an independently organized licensed chapter of TED. TED is an organization devoted to giving a platform to ideas worth sharing. The views expressed here are not necessarily views TED holds or supports, and you're curated by TEDx Georgia Tech. Special thanks to our guest, Eamon Shahab, music by AJ John, edited by Netra Gandhi and Tino Tusi, produced by Raj Jayshankar, and written and hosted by Leah Legg and Megumi Gupta. Thanks everyone, and tune in next week! Bye.